listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's not just about prayer, but it's also about confessing. It's also about what you say by faith. And it's interesting because, like I said, there's people who consider themselves Pentecostal or charismatic that they don't believe in this um, system of declaring by faith or making confessions by faith. They don't believe that it does anything or causes anything to happen. But we had five things that we wanted to show you from the Word of God. Yesterday, uh, during the whole broadcast, we were only actually able to get through three of them. So we're going to come back today and give you the other two. But if you missed, if you missed yesterday, uh, let me just quickly, we'll go over quickly what we covered, that things change, things happen when you confess by faith, when you declare by faith. And uh, the first thing we talked about is when you declare by faith, what you're doing is literally aligning your words with God's words. And of course, we quoted Isaiah 55 and verse 11. Um, But the thing is, when you speak, and I love, we had this as a quote yesterday, that God's words in my mouth are just as powerful as God's words in his mouth. No question. Because we're aligning our words with his word, and those words are spirit, and they are life, Jesus said. So when we speak them, spiritual life comes out of our mouth, without question. And so the ability to use God's word over your life literally makes you, uh, I like to say it this way, when you speak God's words, you can never be wrong. When you say what God says, you can never be wrong. And so it actually is helpful for people to understand, this is not just something I'm arbitrarily doing, just saying things out in the atmosphere. When I speak God's word, I have aligned my word and my life with his word, and it brings change to pass. Um, Kelly, you can find them on my website, nonstopmom.net. As soon as you log onto the website, um, a declaration thing pops up and says, yes, I'd like to receive declarations. And so I have it formatted where you can print some of those out. Also, if you just go back to my Instagram and in the nonstop mom group, um, they're all posted in there under the pictures or all over my not, my uh, Instagram page. That's awesome. So you can get those out. Absolutely. And so many people have like written in. People are printing them off, putting them on their refrigerator. Uh, somebody said they put them all on their phone and they recall them. Yeah, they have like you know. a favorites folder. Somebody, I think it was Ken and Allison wrote that. The, I think Allison wrote it, that they have them all over the house, the declarations. And so it's important because you're aligning your words with God's words. And and this is what the real the real power of it. He said his words never come back empty and they never come back void, but they always accomplish what he sends them to do. Well, it's the same thing. When you send them out, that same word accomplishes when you send it as when God sends it, because it's yeah. his word. And remember this, he is his word. That's such an important thing to remember. He is his word. Right. And so no situation can deny his word. Right. And so when we send it, it takes place. The second thing we talked about was... When you speak God's word or make faith declarations, what happens? It actually changes your mindset about yourself. And we took a good amount of time on this because so many people grew up in an atmosphere 
where they were made to believe they were nothing. Right. You know, and and that's, that's a problem because when you live like that, then you'll take actions like you're nothing. Absolutely. You'll talk like you're nothing. You'll let people uh, treat you like you're nothing. And then you won't be able to boldly. That's why I love the book of Hebrews chapter four. When it's talking about prayer, it says that we're supposed to be able to boldly approach the throne of grace. You'll never boldly approach the throne if you don't believe it's your right to have anything from the throne. Absolutely. Boldness <laughs> works for you in all areas that you're supposed to live as a Christian life. How can you do anything if you're not bold? Absolutely right. And, and the thing that's interesting when you think about that is most people look at themselves as a peasant mm-hmm. instead of a, a son of God. An they, heir yeah. to the king. You're an heir. You're, an you're, heir. you're not some... And, and we're so, so many bad... Um, so many uh, bad teaching uh, series that, that Christians have believed. Well, we're just sinners saved by grace. Amen. How many know we're just sinners saved by... And people start believing that. And then all yeah. you ever do is look at yourself as a sinner. Right. And then, well, how can I boldly approach the throne? I'm just a nothing. I'm, a, I'm filthy. And the Bible doesn't teach that. Sure. But because people believe it, their own internal mindset is destroyed and their boldness is gone. It's gone, and they can't do what the Bible says to boldly approach. Thanks, Brianna. Appreciate you saying that. Love you guys. And so uh, you've got to retrain your inner man for boldness. Retrain your inner man. Don't allow yourself to think, well, I've got no value. I've got no worth. I'm a failure. Everything I do is horrible. I'll always end in destruction. Do not Allow yourself to think that way and retrain your inner man by confessing the word by faith declarations. And that's what we covered, number two. Number three, we covered the fact that it actually, it activates your spirit of faith. And did you realize that you can build your own faith by speaking the word of God out of your own mouth? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can literally build your own faith by speaking the word of God out loud and you hear it. And the more you speak it. And one of the things that we said yesterday was the more you speak it by force, meaning I am, I am consciously making myself confess the word of God. The more I do that, the more that it becomes instinctive. Meaning when I get into a situation where I'm pressed or where there's a stress or pressure where something's coming against us. The thing that comes out of your mouth will not be, oh man, I hope I, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope that won't be what comes out. What will come out is the word of God. Right. You force yourself, you discipline yourself to do it and let it get so in you that when there's a moment where it comes against you, that thing that automatically comes out is the word of God. Right. You build your own spirit of faith. Absolutely. When you were just saying that, I was thinking of Mark 11, uh, 22 and 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Every, you know, this is preached on a lot, but you really have to grab hold of it. You do. Because it says, I tell you the truth, you can say, they're speaking again, to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Yep. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you receive, it will be yours. So yesterday, the way we ended the broadcast, a lot of people had questions like, oh, you know, why are Christians battling this if this is what they say? It doesn't just end in the confession that we're talking about. It doesn't just end in declaring the word of God. Anyone can say what's on the paper. Right. Even people who are unsaved. 
Sure. They're not going to receive the same thing that a child of God receives just because they say, that, because they just looked up this verse and read it out loud. Sure. They're not going to receive it. it. It's not for them. And so we have to understand that it's not just saying these declarations. It's not just saying these confessions that we're talking about every day. It's then once they come out of your mouth and the seed is sown in your future into the ground, it's then believing with That's your heart. Because right. we talked about that yesterday, guarding your heart. There comes the path of life. You have to guard your heart in order to move forward. And so you have to realize that when we talk about these declarations and talk about these confessions and the book that's coming out or any of these verses and topics, mm -hmm. you have to then believe that's right that the word because then we talked about yesterday a little bit of what's going on in the world well we can say psalm 91 all we want and confess it over our family but then if our actions don't line up with our confession then you've pretty much just you know zeroed everything out that you said no question just like people who will sow seeds monetary seeds for the kingdom and then they speak against it with doubt. Right. And then they're like, well, I, n I never saw my harvest. I never, da, 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 da. But it's like you sowed the seed and then you pretty much threw like weed killer on it, not yeah. not water. Right. And then they're surprised. Well, wh why did I never see anything back? Why did I never feel anything? Why did I never get anything back? It's because you killed it right. with your unbelief. Yeah, you, you, you have to. One of the things that's so, so vitally important to understand is that faith doesn't just come by hearing. One of the things that's understood by scripture is faith comes by hearing and believing as truth what you heard. Right. I'll give you a perfect example in the scripture. The Bible says, now if faith only came by hearing the word, then anyone who heard the word of God would have faith built. But notice, I'll give you an example. In the New Testament, the Bible says in the gospels that after Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, it was being reported. That's the gospel message being preached. He's alive. And there were some who believed it. But notice that Thomas said, I'll not believe it unless I can put my fingers in the nail scars in his hands. Well, he heard that truth with the rest of the disciples. Jesus is alive. Some believed it and said, thank God he's alive. Thomas heard the same word and disbelieved it and said, I'll not believe it unless I can actually touch him. And so notice this, it's important to realize you don't just have to hear it, you have to believe it as truth. Let me give you an example. A she just said it. Atheists will study the Bible to debate Christians. There are debates that go on between, you know, atheists and agnostics. So and, and understand this, they will read the scripture. They'll read the same verses that we read, but with a spirit of doubt. They're reading it to prove it's wrong. It doesn't matter that they're reading or even hearing the word. Yeah. The thing that's the thing that you miss here is I'm re there's atheists that have read the whole Bible to prove the Bible is wrong. To stand in a debate forum and say, "Well, here's what I don't believe about this." It's not building faith in their heart because they're reading it or hearing it but not receiving it as truth. Thomas didn't receive it as truth. Atheists don't receive it as truth. And so the important thing to understand is you've got to not only believe it, you've got to not only hear it, but you've got to believe it. And what, how do you know you believe it? That's the question. Right. How do you know you believe it? The way you know is because all faith or belief is backed up by actions. That's how you know. That's exactly how you know. 
All faith, read the book of James, faith without works is dead being alone. So the way that you know, the way that you know you believe it is by the actions that you take on what you heard proving you believe it. For example, if I heard the message of sowing and reaping and I heard it preach, I could hear it preach for two hours and sit in the pew or chair and say, you know what? I heard that teaching on seed time and harvest and giving, sowing and reaping. I don't believe it at all. I think it's a scam. Well, guess what? I'm then not going to pull my wallet out and sow a seed by faith in the offering. Why? <coughs> because even though I heard the preaching and teaching on it, right. I rejected it rather than accepting it. And so what will be my result? My result will be I will take no actions on the word that I just heard because I don't believe it. And so my actions prove my faith. It's the same thing. That's why the Bible says, uh, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. What does it take for salvation? It's no different. Paul taught in Romans chapter 10. Paul taught it this way. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So did you notice Hearing the gospel message preached is not all it takes to be saved. If it was, every single person who heard the gospel preached would be saved. But that's not the case. Because they not only have to hear it, but they have to believe it. That's why believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And confess, that's an action of faith. I'm confessing that Jesus is Lord. I'm believing that God raised him up from the dead. So my belief in the gospel message that I heard makes me take action to confess that he's Lord and to believe God raised him up from the dead. Anything you believe by faith has to be backed up by an action. If I believe he's my healer, I can, I can hear the message on divine healing. But the Bible says if you truly believe that he's a healer, then is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church who will lay hands on them and anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. James chapter five. Well, if that person in the congregation doesn't believe the message of healing, they'll never call on the elders of the church to lay hands on them. Why would they? They don't believe healing works. They don't believe healing's real. So if they don't believe it, they would think I'm wasting my time calling on the elders of the church. That stuff's not real. So anything we believe at all has to be backed up by action. If you believe something, you'll do something. And so it's important that we know that when we are speaking and confessing and, and uh, declaring by faith, we are actually stirring up our spirit of faith. And then what does that cause us to do? Take actions that back up the faith. And that's the point Carolyn was making, is that if you believe it, you'll do something to back it up. It's not just enough to say, I don't believe any sickness or disease. And, and, and this is where we ended with this yesterday. We kind of teased that we'd come back with it. There's a difference between true wisdom and fear disguised as wisdom. Big difference. Yeah. Can you go back to Carrie's comment real quick? Because I know YouTube can't see it. And she wrote some... Of the, oh, did I miss it? Some of the oh. most Christian people very close to God still do get sick and die and go to heaven because it was God's plan. And Carrie, that actually is incorrect teaching. 
because that's a very good reason why we don't put our faith in man. We put our faith in God and what the word of God says. And that's not God's will. God's will is not to have you here on earth and then snatch you up to be a flower in his garden. Absolutely not. God's plan on earth is to have you here and to carry out the works. He says you're going to do greater works until my return. So you have to make sure you... If you've, that's something you've heard or believed, you've got to go study that out in the Word of God because that is a contradiction to the Word of God and True. His healing power and what He did on the cross for us. Well, think about that, Carrie. If, if that was true, if it was sometimes God's will to have His people die of a sickness or a disease, then He would actually be working against Himself because He's the one who sent Jesus to take stripes upon his back to heal all sickness and disease. Right, and he's not double-minded. He's not number one, he's not only double-minded, he's not going to work against himself. He's not he's not going to he's not going to cause a sick one of his children to become sick because of the fact that he's teaching them a lesson or making them a stronger believer as some teach. He'd be working against the blood of Jesus. Side note, and if that's the case and he makes people sick to, and that's his will to bring him up to heaven, then why even pray to be healed? Just right. let it go. Just get sick. And then when you're sick, say, yeah. all right, when, how would, that's when the, the time comes that my body can't take the sickness anymore, I'm just going to go to heaven. I'm not even going to try to pray well, for he, God to heal well, me. Well, here's the problem with that mindset, Carrie, too, is think of this. How would you ever know? If it was God's will for the sickness that came upon you uh, to be healed or to stay on you, how would you ever know that? How could you ever discern whether it's God's will to heal you of the sickness that tried to come on your body or whether it was his will it did come on so you shouldn't even seek healing? Because you know the Bible does command us multiple times in the New Testament to seek healing from sickness. So how would we ever know whether to call upon the elders of the church to anoint us with oil and pray the prayer of faith and be raised up from sickness, how could we know the difference if it was if the sickness was God's will or if it was an attack of the devil? We couldn't know. There's no way to know. In fact, a better way to even go about understanding this is look through the Gospels and look at the life and ministry of Jesus and the apostles, specifically Jesus. Because Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says, he is the exact radiance of, and the image of the nature of God on the earth, Jesus is. So everything you saw Jesus do in his life and ministry was the exact will of God manifested on the earth. That's why it's important to know that there was never one time in all of the gospels that Jesus encountered a sick person and when they asked him for healing, he said, no, actually, my father put this upon you so that uh, he could teach you a lesson or make you a stronger believer. So I'm not going to heal you because this sickness in particular is my father's will for your life. You won't find one time where that happens in the gospels, not one, because it is never, ever God's will for his children to be sick or diseased. He actually sent his only son to be tortured and killed to actually purchase us back from the realm of darkness, sin and death, so that healing could be our story. And the blood of Jesus purchased our healing. We know that on the cross of Calvary, 1 Peter 2.24. So it's taught to people like that, 
But understand that they don't have scriptural backing. They're just ignorant of scripture when they teach those things. And if you're asking, I saw you had a follow-up question, what about children? If you're asking how are children born into the world sick and diseased, it's not because it's God's nature. Keep in mind that we live in a fallen world where sin and death are already at work in the world. And without Christ, everyone would die in sin. Without Christ, everybody would be open to dying of sickness and disease. So if you see somebody that is uh, born in that way, you have to understand God didn't create them that way, but we live in a fallen world where things like that do happen. And it's not God's will that they happen. And it, you know, remember what Jesus talk, taught about God's nature in Matthew 7. He's a loving heavenly father who gives good gifts to those that ask him. Right. He, he gave us a simple analogy. He said, which one of you that are listening to me teach, if your children wanted uh, fish, would you give them a serpent? And if they wanted bread, would you give them a stone? Absolutely not. Right. And he said, and you fathers that are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does our heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him. That's you and that's me. And so he's encouraged us to ask him so that he can give us those good gifts. And here's an important thought. God does not love any one believer more than another. He loves us all the same. He afforded us all the same benefits package through the blood of Jesus. And so don't ever believe that sometimes you shouldn't pursue these faith declarations and faith confessions thinking, well, maybe this is God's will that I'm in this state. It's never his will that you're in a place of destruction, death, you know, and, and many people misinterpret. I was reading about it this morning before the broadcast. There's a lot of people who misinterpret scriptures in the Bible about persecution for being a Christian as trials and sufferings in sickness, disease, poverty, lack, and they look at those scriptures about persecution for being a Christian and say there'll be trials and tribulations, when in context it means persecution from evil men for serving Jesus. It doesn't mean you'll be sick and diseased and, and impoverished. That's not what it's talking about. But because people don't properly understand God's word, then they, they get to a place where they look at those scriptures, they see that must mean sickness and disease. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. That means he was sick. It doesn't mean that at all. Paul described what his thorn in the flesh was. So people just don't truly understand the word of God. And it's important that we do because if we're going to make these faith declarations, like my wife is teaching, we have to know, first of all, it is God's will for us to progress in faith and to be victorious. Yeah, we, we don't line God's will up with uh, what happened in this scenario or what happened in someone else's That's right. life. And a lot of people tend to do that. They'll take, you know, the situation and they will conform it. They'll form it to, you know, whatever's happening. And then that's now what the word of God that, you know what I mean? They've kind of Our changed standard. their own doctrine to believe whatever happened in that person's life. Yeah. And that's Ted, not Ted our and standard. I have known very uh, good Christian people that have passed away or have died from a sickness, mm -hmm. but we've never will change our stance. That would be crazy. Never to have do. and never will change our stance on the healing power of God. Divine healing is ours as a believer. Yep. You have to remember, you don't know everything what's going on with people in their private time, in their private life. 
They, you, know, you know what I mean? You can't. You got to keep your blinders on mm-hmm. and realize what the Word of God says right. and stand on that. You don't go by someone else's story to determine what the Word of God says. Right. You go by what the Word of God says, and then that will that will change your story, and that's all yeah. that matters. Well, the thing is, remember that, what she's saying. No one's life is the standard. God's Word is the standard. We harp on this on the broadcast because many Christians don't understand this concept. If no one, listen to me, if nobody that I prayed for in the history of my ministry and the future of my ministry ever got healed, it doesn't change the fact Jesus is a healer. Right. It doesn't change the fact. You know why? Because his word says he's a healer. Always. And so just remember this. My life Someone else's life never changes the word of God, ever. And so don't ever put your faith in someone's life story. Well, that's a godly man. I knew him. He attended church faithfully, and he died of this. He's not God's word. I'm not God's word. She's not God's word. And so no matter what happens in any person's life, It doesn't change God's word. I don't place my faith or my theology in somebody's life story. That is crazy to do. People are imperfect. People are not the standard of heaven. They should measure up to the standard of heaven. And that's this word that we hold in our hands. And so don't ever allow yourself to be weakened in faith because of what you see happen in someone else's life. I'm not their judge. As my wife said, you don't know what's happened in someone's life. You don't know what goes on behind the scenes. You don't know what happens in someone's heart, and you're not their judge. God is. But I will never change my doctrine. It's like uh, somebody said to me recently, uh, I noticed a certain famous uh, prosperity preacher came out and changed their stance on what they believe about prosperity. I bet that, I bet that, to, that was a blow to you. No, not at all. Just because he was pressured in uh, to saying things that he doesn't even believe publicly would never change my beliefs on prosperity. Yeah. Because my beliefs on prosperity are founded on God's word, not on some preacher on television. You see what I mean? And if you, your faith is weak, if your faith is based in what some person said or what some person did or what st- the story of their life was, that should never be the basis of your belief. This word and this word alone Scripture alone, it was one of the, the, the solas of the reformers, sola scriptura. Scripture alone is the standard. God's word alone. That's why even Paul said, if anybody comes to you and preaches another gospel, they're accursed. Why? Scripture alone. What God's word says alone. Yep. And so it's so very important. And we had two more of those things. So one of the things that we wanted to make a point of, and that's why we were leading, leading up to this, is I that, know, but that's a good, I mean, you have to address it. When oh, yeah, no, that's do good. That because that's a good question, so, Carrie. It's so, con, still, Christians struggle so much with that concept of yes, they do. not, um, you know, like rejecting what people go through and just standing alone on the word of God. Truly. So, it, it, it you know, 
a lot of you that watching know where we stand, but we have to reiterate it and say it over and over again because yes. there are billions of people in the world mm -hmm. and new people listening all the time to us and you have to get that revelation. Have to. It will change your life mm -hmm. because we are made emotional beings. We are made uh, to love and show compassion. But a big thing that happens is our compassion will then override our faith and we're not standing on the word of God anymore. We're now yeah. um, we're now justifying why that person as a Christian died. And we're almost like we got to, you know, justify our savior and, and say, well, you know, I just don't know. And it's like, but last week you knew until you found out this information. So it's important that we really understand the teaching of someone else's story is not your story and going by only the word of God, yeah. not what somebody else goes through. Absolutely. And when what, what my wife and I were talking about where it's, there is true wisdom, but then there's fear disguised as wisdom. Yeah. So remember this, you know, because people have gotten crazy about this during COVID and during the quarantine, you know, like using scriptures out of context in the Bible, you know, Stay inside until such and such has happened, until the danger is passed. Don't has, touch anybody. Which has nothing to do with, with what's going on right now, by the way. Uh, the scriptures in Isaiah people use is about, is about, about the end times and about the millennium. Uh, the scripture in Proverbs that people are using is blowing my mind how people are so obtuse that they can't even understand the context of scripture. Um, but there's a difference between understanding, you know, the wisdom of not going you know, into the south side of Chicago, just, you know, wandering through the south side of Chicago at 11 p.m. at night. Yes, that's wisdom. It's not because I, I walk in fear. Unless the Lord told me to go to the south side of Chicago at 11 p.m., what's the point of putting going there and putting my life at risk? And it would be putting your life at risk if you don't understand the south side of Chicago. So it would be stupid for me it's, that's not wisdom. Don't do things that aren't wisdom to go down there in a dangerous part of the nation or Newark, New Jersey at midnight or Camden, New Jersey, you know, the murder capitals of America. That's wisdom. Don't just go strolling through with your little kids and family at 11 o'clock at night. However, when it's something like this, I have a covenant of healing, a covenant of healing that was paid for by Jesus' blood. And so to say, well, I believe, I believe in the protective power of healing in Jesus on my life, but then always acting and taking actions like you don't believe you have a healing covenant. Well, we, we just don't do that because that's, that's wisdom. I'm not going to override my own faith in the healing covenant and act like I don't believe it. That's why I made a statement that was so clear at the beginning of this. I, I, I'm not wearing gloves. I refuse to wear gloves when I go out. I don't wear gloves when I touch the carts at Walmart. I'm not going to put gloves on. You know why? Because I have to make up my mind about whether or not the word of God is true. Here's the question. Do, and you've seen me tweet it and say it on the broadcast, do my hands catch diseases or do they heal the sick and kill diseases? Right. Do my hands catch and spread diseases or do they heal sicknesses and diseases right. and destroy those uh, things? I have to either believe that what God's word said is true and believe in my healing covenant or tr try to explain away uh, my fear through wisdom. Well, you know, we're just using wisdom. I don't believe that that's wisdom. I believe that it's you not believing the word of God. 
I believe that my body holds a supernatural substance, Romans 8, 11, the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead who dwells in me, who quickens, that, that word makes alive, startles my mortal body. Right. If that life-giving spirit is on the inside of me, then that's the element that's killing sickness and disease as we lay our hands on the sick. That's what we believe. And so why would I then act like I don't? Once again, we're going back to faith actions backing up faith declarations. Why would I go back and say, well, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, the, the, the dead raising power of the Holy Ghost is in me and the healing power of God is in me and in my hands. But at the same time, you know, I got to use wisdom. I don't want any germs to touch my hands. Oh, you're worried about a germ? And then you're going to go expect your hands to heal cancer cells and you can't even believe for a flu germ or a COVID germ to die when it touches your hand. That shows a stark contrast between what the Bible says and what you believe because of what you're doing. It's not wisdom. It's, it's not wisdom at all. It's fear wrapped in the lie of wisdom. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to, we just want you. No, it means you don't truly believe that, that God's word means what it says. You don't believe it. I say, I will never, I'm not saying that every, trust me, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I want to make this very clear right now. I'm not saying that it's impossible for Christians to get sick. We see sick Christians. What I'm saying is you can have faith in the revelation that you can live above sickness and disease. Everything obtained from God is obtained by faith in his word. Not every Christian, as we pointed out yesterday, has the same level of faith in God's word. The disciples who heard every message Jesus preached, right. which should have built phenomenal faith in their hearts, got one. rebuked for having little faith or no faith. How was that possible? So what did they get? They got rebuked. And what happened? The things they should have been doing, they could not do. Why? Their faith was too small. That was on, on the ship. As they were on the ship and Christ is sleeping in the hinder part of the ship, they should have cursed the storm and commanded it to shut up. And Jesus rebuked them for not doing it and asked, where's your faith? How is it that you have no faith? Oh, ye of little faith. He rebuked the level of their faith. Yeah. Why? They should have had more and they didn't have it. Same thing happened in Mark chapter 9. They brought the, Those parents brought their son to the disciples who was possessed by a demon. And then they came to Jesus and said, we tried to ask your disciples to cast it out. They couldn't cast it out. And the, the disciples later said, how come we couldn't cast it out? Jesus said, because of your unbelief, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. He rebuked them again. So I, I hate it. I hate when people say, well, those Pentecostals and those charismatics, they tell people that if the reason they haven't received their blessing from God is because they don't have enough faith. Yes, we do. Because it's what Jesus said to his own followers when they didn't see manifestations that they were believing for. It's not wrong to encourage people to build their faith. Without faith, you can't even please God. So don't act like it's some... A new thing that people are doing to condemn believers, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And if you, if you don't do it, people stay at a low level of faith and live in frustration. If you don't encourage people to build their faith, they will go through life and take what everybody else takes and have what everybody else has. And it's very clear in scripture. It's not like some conspiracy theory doctrine made up by people, uh, you know, in 1904, 
or at the Azusa Street Revival. This is something that happened in Scripture. Listen, this whole topic, it's better that you just go we go on it. Because it, it gets me going anyway. Because fear is an invisible prison. And it will trap you. It's something you've never seen. It's your thoughts that are holding you captive. You, you know, going out there looking like you're running a scientific lab. You look ridiculous. Might as well buy a hazmat suit. It's ridiculous. Just believe the word. or If you don't, then wear all the stuff. Just go do it. Yeah. D- whatever that's and God, what and it God is. And God bless you. We're not going to condemn you if you do. But at the same Absolutely time, not. stop saying stuff about Christians who have faith right. that don't live that way. So get a hold of it or don't. Can you know, I go out in the store. I'm not mad at people that I see wearing gloves. I don't gloves. condemn Christians that I don't do it. yell at people. I don't. But I know what I believe and right. how I'm going to handle the situation. And that's what we're <laughs> teaching. We're not going to go out looking like that. If I'm going around and spending my life on the road with my family, right. preaching the gospel, miracle word ministries, and I go out of my house looking like I'm scared of this germ floating in the air, then I need to just stay home Might as well and, hang it up. and sell essential oils or something. Jewelry, I don't know. No but. condemnation, anybody selling those essential oils. <laughs> no, I'm saying I need to get a stay-at-home job no, to be true. with my kids. I'm not I, making I fun totally of the thing. Agree. But I'm just saying, like, it's time Christians, like... Put into action what you say. Thank you, Don't Kim. go around singing all these songs and, yeah. you know, when the times are great and you feel good and I'm a, I'm healed of the Lord and nothing can come near me and, and no Our disease God can touch greater. my body. Oh, yeah. You know, stronger. you provide reckless love, Lord. God, you're going to you save me from everything because you're running over to the mountains for the, you know, the one. Oh, wait. No, you're climbing walls. What is it? Climbing walls. Kicking down doors. Kicking down doors. For one. But what the point is this. But then something happens. I mock it because it's a it's a spirit that needs to be mocked. It's a spirit that needs to be destroyed. It's a spirit that needs to be taken down. And Christians need to know where they rightfully stand right. in the power and the boldness right. of the Holy Spirit and go after it and stop looking like the rest of the world. Exactly. I just wrote in my devotion today that about salvation for family. And why would anyone want to follow my God if I look like a scared ninny that has no power, I'm, I'm full of fear, I have no joy, yeah. I speak ill of people, I, I, I'm a cheapskate. I mean, why would anyone want to follow my Jesus and be saved? Right. I don't blame them. So put into action your confession. That is the whole point of what we're talking about. Right. Put into action of your confession and operate that way. No question. We're not condemning any Christian that wants to wear gloves and a mask. We're leaving you alone. But do us a favor (laughs) and leave us alone. If we believe (laughs) by faith that I refuse to be sick, I can't be sick, sickness can't touch my body, I'll never have COVID, I'll never have cancer, those things will not enter my body, they'll not enter my home, they'll not enter my family because the blood of Jesus is on the doorpost of our home. We believe it, we live it, we stand. So we're leaving you alone, leave us alone. I'm, I, it's like crazy that there's Christians condemning those who have faith. Well, you're just a bunch of. I mean, that's what they're doing. You're 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 so irresponsible. You're going to spread this disease. Leave the your whole- mail in your mailbox for a few days because your postman touched it. Leave your groceries. You know that's so stupid. Why would I leave my groceries outside for three hours? What if I bought ice cream? 
it, they the would thing, melt. The thing Think that about makes it, me angry, people. The thing that makes me angry is that there are Christians who call themselves Pentecostal charismatic Christians that are berating other Pentecostal Christians because they believe in the healing and protective power of Christ and the Holy Spirit and saying stupid things like your irresponsibility is going to spread this disease all over the world. If you think that's yeah. what faith in God does, you might as well leave the faith and go to go to another religion. I might love as well. all the people that have told me that I'm messing up the curve. Yeah. I mean, like, give, <laughs> give me a break. Give, because give me I'm break. going out to the store and I'm still living life as normal. Because you know what? In my world, life is normal. It should be normal. I either confess at the beginning of the year, violent increase and expedited favor. Right. And then all of a sudden, March and April, I'm changing my confession. No, I'm sticking with the confession. Violent increase, expedited Crazy. favor. I am moving forward and right. life is as normal. Exactly. I'm not... I'm just, I'm, I'm over these uh, hypocritical, uh, at least, listen, if you're going to be that way, at least step out of the Pentecostal charismatic realm that you claim to be in. At least become a Reformed Presbyterian or a Reformed Baptist that somehow believes God is causing this all for his greater glory. And we don't know why now, but someday we'll find out in the great by and by when his will is fully revealed to all of his children. At least go join a reformed church and 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 believe that way to be consistent it, and not not because I'm harping or or giving a hard time to the baptists or presbyterians but I'm just saying just for consistency's sake just for consistency's sake please stop calling yourself a pentecostal or a charismatic because you don't hold pentecostal or charismatic beliefs proven by your own words and actions so don't come back to the revivals. Don't come back to the conferences afterwards. Say, yeah, I was with you guys the whole time. Victory, hallelujah. You weren't. So please at least change your denomination and go become a Calvinist and a cessationist and a reformed believer. Just for consistency's sake alone, please stop calling yourself a Pentecostal charismatic because you're not. You're not. You've got you've to believe it all. You can't, you can't just pick and choose which of the doctrines you're going to believe. You got to believe it all because the Bible teaches it all. Well, I speak in tongues. Well, believe it all. Right. Don't just believe in speaking in tongues. Believe People think just because they spoke in tongues one time that they're a full-fledged Pentecostal charismatic believer. They don't even believe the other things that are taught. Believe it all. Don't just believe. It's called the full gospel. Don't believe part of it. Believe it all. And if you're not, if you're going to, uh, and listen, if you're still on your journey of faith and learning and being taught by your pastor, and I, I get all that. I know people are at different levels of maturity and, and faith and belief and they're growing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the ones who have been militant and have been aggressively coming against people in their own uh, uh, denominational realm. If you're a Pentecostal who believes uh, in the power of God and healing and miracles, you know, be be intelligent enough to understand you're contradicting your own position that you say you believe with your whole heart. Be intelligent enough, which people have not been. Be intelligent enough instead of being aggressive online and telling other people that they're the problem, that you guys should go to jail because I'm Pentecostal too, but I don't believe that you should go do all those things. Be intelligent enough 
to just be silent during this time so that you still look coherent at the end of it all. <laughs> it's important that you don't come to the end of this and say, well, yeah, I was Pentecostal the whole time. You weren't. You don't believe like we believe. And I understand it might be a remnant. I understand that it's not going to be everybody. But at least for sanity's sake, for crying out loud, just stay quiet or change denominations so that we can be consistent. Sure. It's important. And you know what? The people that are listening to this that are like, uh, you know, I had someone right yesterday. Well, I'm not just at your level of faith, but they want to be. Do something in an action that puts you at a higher level of faith. Faith. For example, if you're a Lysol junkie right now, don't use it on something that you would normally use because you were scared that you have to clean something off. Confess the word of God, then take action on it. And you'll see how you will conquer those mountains. You have to start somewhere. You can't right. just keep saying, well, I'm not at your level of faith and kicking the dirt all the time. There comes a point where you stop saying that and you take action to get you to the level of faith that you see people that you want to be at that level. You've got to take a first step somewhere right. to take into that action. So if you're li listening to this and the gift of faith is leaping inside of you and you're like, man, everything they're saying is true. Everything they're saying, I feel victory over. I want to be like that. I don't want to do what I hear the news talking about or what you know CDC is telling me. I don't want to. I want to live by Psalm 91. I want to live by the word of God. I, you know, Then you have to take a step to do it. So today, something that you would normally do that has put you in this invisible prison of fear with what's going on in the world, don't do that. That's right. Confess the word, build your faith before stopping whatever you normally would do, mm -hmm. and then don't do it. Restrain yourself. That's it. We all have to restrain ourselves to move up in the levels of faith. It's all going to feel uneasy. Faith is not comfortable. Yeah. It takes you out of your comfort zone. But in order to go up the faith ladder, in order to go up the mountain of faith, to get to the next mountain of faith behind it, we all have to take an action and a step to get there. No question. There comes a point where you're on the ground of that mountain and you got to stop saying, I want to be at that level. I want to be like what you guys are talking about. And then you have to put it into play. Absolutely. So it's like chess. We did our move here. Now you got to take your move. No question. And so that, that really puts us into number four that we didn't get to yesterday, which is when you create and speak faith declarations and faith confessions, what's taking place? It, it takes <laughs> spiritual dominion. Christy, are you now putting new tile down because you're praising and ripping the floor up or are you dancing? <laughs> ripping the floor up. Put this in the comments section. <laughs> we got people doing construction now because they're all gifted Dancing faith their tiles off the floor. No. <laughs> um, put this in the comments. Number four, Neither, faith confessions take spiritual dominion in the natural realm. Put that in the comments. Number four, Faith declarations take spiritual dominion in the natural realm. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Jesus said, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You have power. What does the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21? The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. You have death and life in your mouth. 
You can speak both. You can speak death to things that need to die. Cancer cells, tumors, sicknesses, diseases. You can, you're not, let me, let me break here to answer Becky because you're not tempting the Lord by activating your covenant of faith in healing. He wants you to, uh, uh, we're not picking up snakes. We're not doing foolish things. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, and, and if anybody that reads the Bible, uh, you know, the way that it's supposed to be read, not reading things into it that aren't there, you understand that uh, the whole purpose of God giving us authority over serpents and scorpions, it's not actual, why didn't he list every animal that was a danger? It's not talking about actual serpents and scorpions, but evil spirits that the, the, the Lord is speaking about. And so understand this. We don't tempt God. I just said, I just got done teaching this. I'm not going to walk in downtown Chicago, south side of Chicago or Camden, New Jersey at 11 o'clock at night. That's tempting God, not using wisdom. But standing on your healing covenant that you have through the blood of Jesus is not tempting God. It's walking yes, by faith. Because he redeemed you from this very right, thing. Right. Exactly right. He redeemed you from it. So death and life, it allows you to take dominion in the natural realm when you speak by faith. You can speak death to things that need to die. Jesus did it to the tree that was rebelling against God's order to produce. You can speak it to sickness, disease, cancer cells, tumors. You can speak death to those things that need to die. And you can speak life to the things that you're believing God for. I speak life into my family's physical bodies. I speak life into our minds. I, I declare with my family, that they'll be head and shoulders above the rest. I declare that we'll have wisdom beyond our years because we have the mind of Christ, that we'll have access to the ways and the thoughts of God, which are higher than our ways and thoughts, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. I'm declaring these things. I'm speaking life to our minds, to our spirits, to our physical bodies, to our atmosphere, our home, the things that God's blessed us with. I'm speaking life to that and death to the things that... Uh, come against our covenant rights. Those things must die. Sickness has to die before it comes into my house. Sickness must die when it touches my body. Why? Because my body carries the power of God in it. We have a treasure that's hidden in earthen vessels. That treasure is the Holy Ghost. And so as we speak, uh, and I'll let you read that story in Matthew chapter 8, but as we speak, what are we doing? Releasing the power of God. We're releasing, we're taking authority and dominion in the unseen realm. And the story that Carolyn is going to read, Matthew chapter 8, is the story of the centurion soldier who came to Christ at the beginning of the chapter asking for healing for his servant who was homesick with palsy. Jesus, by the way, was willing to come heal him. You have that story? You want just verse 8? No, you can read a little bit before it where he... Uh, tells him the story of what's happening with his servant. Um, I'll just start at the beginning then. All right. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. 
When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pled with him. Lord, my young servant lies in the bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come in my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. You see that? Even someone who was not one of God's children. This was an Italian soldier. He was not a Jew. This is what blew Jesus' mind. He said, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Why was he saying that? He was saying, you're not even my child. You're not even part of my, my people. And you believe me more than my own people believe me. I mean, compare this to Mark chapter 6 when Jesus goes home to Nazareth and the Bible says, could do their no mighty work because of their unbelief. His own people didn't believe in him and the Italian soldier believed him. Yeah. And he said, what did he say? Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. What did he know? He knew that Jesus had the ability to speak in the unseen realm and that dominion and authority would be released and healing virtue would travel to where that servant was and he would be made whole. And so understand this today. When you confess, when you put the word of God into your mouth and begin to speak it, you can take authority and dominion in the unseen realm. It's why you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. It's interesting. You can actually speak the word of God and things must change. Words can't be seen, but the manifestations of those words will be seen. I can't see words coming out of my mouth, but I will see when sickness and disease are destroyed. I will see as people are healed. I will see as demons come out. Just like we saw just a few months ago in Brazil as that woman that was filled with demons came to the altar and began to manifest. I don't know if you heard me tell this story. Woman came to the altar in the altar call, but I could tell something was up with her. When I started to pray the prayer of salvation, she started manifesting and tried to run through the crowd and punch all the people that had come to the altar. Took four full-grown men to hold this little woman down to the ground, full of demonic power. I was in a rural part of Brazil that no one spoke English. No one spoke English. And this woman, I jumped off the platform to come cast the demons out of her, and she spoke back to me, the demons did, in perfect English. Perfect English. Perfect English. And looking at me with pure hate coming out of those eyes, the demons did. By the word, I spoke the word and cast those demons out of that woman that night. And when she came to herself, I mean, she it's almost like she went fainted as they came out. She came to herself, shook her head, and she spoke back in Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese. And now the interpreter's telling me, she's asking, where is she? How did she get here? What's happened? So it came into the service under demonic possession, was delivered by the word of God. I spoke the word, commanded the demon to come out. Both demons, had two demons come out of her. She, they had to leave. She came to herself. The, the ability to speak English was gone. Well, where did it go? It was the demons speaking out of her. But the word of God was stronger than demonic possession. They took her to the pastor who in Portuguese led her to the Lord. She prayed this prayer of salvation. And then she came through the prayer line to receive the anointing with oil as we laid hands on every person in the building. Why did demons have to listen? Because although my words can't be seen, the effects of my words will be seen. Will be seen. Yeah, Carrie, you can send us text messages. If you haven't set, set up to do it already, you can go to miracleword.com 
forward slash text and put your information directly in my phone and you can send text messages with questions or anything else. And we'd love to connect with you. Thank you, Christy, for sowing a seed. So understand, your words might not be able to be seen, but the effects of your words will be seen. And then number five, I wanna, I wanna give you guys this before we pray for you today, very important. Number five, it secures the report that you choose to believe. There comes a time in every believer's life where they have to ask themselves the question, whose report will I believe? Am I gonna believe the report from the news? Right. Am I going to believe the report from the experts? Am I going to believe the report of the doctor? Not to say that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Not to say that a medical report that comes to you from a, from a, a, a medical professional is not real or legitimate. We're not saying that. We're just saying that though it may be true, it's not higher than the mighty word of God. It's factual, but facts can change. But truth remains the same. And God's word is yeah. truth. And they don't, they can only go so far lots of times. You know, there's not cures for everything that are not Oh, natural. exactly. There are some things that are incurable. What are you going to do in that situation? When a doctor shakes his head and says, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do for you. Go home to your house. Just be with your family. Yeah. We'll send hospice to your house. Make your final months comfortable for you. Just love your family. Be with, what are you going to do when he just shakes his head no and says, there's no answer? That fact is there in your life, but facts can change, but truth remains the same. Truth never changes. And so you have to come to the place in your life, whose report will I believe? I believe the report of the Lord. And so we see that in scripture. Um, Carolyn's in the book of Numbers. We know that when God gave the promised land to his believers, to his people, his followers, Israel, he said, it's already yours. But notice they had to go in and take it. There were giants living in the land and they had to go in and defeat them and take it. So what did they do? Sent spies. And when the spies went in, 12 spies, one man from every tribe of Israel, when they went into the promised land, notice what happened. They came back with a divided report. 10 of those men believed what they saw with their natural eyes Two of those men, Joshua and Caleb, believed the word of the Lord. 13 and verse 30, what does it say? Uh, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Notice that. They had already given an evil report to the assembly. No, the giants are there. They're big. You know, they're massive. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We'll never be able to overtake them. And that's why Joshua and Caleb... They tried to quiet the assembly saying, no, listen to us. We're well able to take the land. Well able. They're like bread to us. I love that scripture. They're yeah. like bread to us. We will eat them up. They were ready to go right then and take the promised land. And literally had to wait 45 more years because the assembly chose to believe the report of fear and doubt rather than the report of the Lord. There comes a time where you've got to ask yourself, whose report? And by speaking these confessions of faith, what does it do? It allows you to fortify or secure the report that you believe. Right. We believe the report of the Lord. Um, Romans chapter 4 is a perfect example of this before we pray. Look at this. Romans chapter 4, I'll read verses uh, 17 through 21. Listen, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. God says this to Abraham. 
before he had one child. You understand that? He was called the father of many nations before he was a father of any children. So he had to believe that report. Listen, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. Listen to this. Verse 19 is vital. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, <laughs> which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, who was 90 at the time. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. I'll read verse 21. Fully convinced Fully. that God was able to do what he promised. Yes. You see that? Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That's where you've got to get. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter. His body was 100. Sarah's body was 90. It doesn't look like people that are that age should be having children or could have children. Body was as good as dead. But he said, I don't care what, what the report is. I don't care what it looks like in the natural realm for I've got a word from God. And if I've got a word from God, it's higher than the facts and circumstances. And I've got to make up in my mind, that's what I choose to believe and not the report of the world. Yeah. Say this, the me I see is the me I'll be. That's right. The me I see is the me I will be. That's because right. Because that's just like with Abraham, he took that word and he fixed his supernatural eyes on the word of God. Yes. And that's what we have to do with our confession, with what we're declaring, what we pray and what we say every day over our family and over ourselves. What do you see? Yeah. The reason we can sit here and talk with such authority over sickness and authority over uh, how we are to be as a believer is because we see in the supernatural what God has done for us, what he did on the cross, in, and in the natural, we've seen that through scripture. And so we are able to see in the supernatural what Absolutely. the word of God says and fix our eyes on that. The moment right. you fix your eyes on something else that's natural, you're always set up to fail. Absolutely. You're always set up to fail because the word of God never fails, it says. So if you keep your eyes on the word and say, I will be who I see, then that is how you can have the boldness and the strength and live victorious every day. And see, like, like for example, Becky's comment. She said, we must all work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do attend a church of God and we all aren't going to believe the same thing. The main thing is to strive to be like Jesus. But the problem is, is that you can't look at the life of Jesus and create a separate belief system. Jesus didn't do uh, things that contradict each other. He was singular in his belief system. He was singular in his action. And he what he did was the will of God, as we said earlier. Hebrews chapter one and verse three proves that Jesus, every one of Jesus' actions was the perfect will of God manifested. We've already seen there was no one that Jesus left unhealed who came in faith. There was nobody that he dealt with that did not receive his promises when they approached him by faith. He never picked and chose who would get his goodness and who would not get his goodness. 
So if we're going to do what she's saying, which is to strive to be like Jesus, then we should strive to copy what he did. John 14, 12, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these because I'm going to be with my father. And so we understand that by the sending of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of uh, spirit baptism, we are empowered to do exactly what she's saying, what Christ did. And as we strive to be like Christ, then we strive to do his works. And if we strive to do his works, we strive to follow. You know, what's interesting too, <clears throat> you have people that say, well, you know, I, I know there's a lot that's said in the New Testament, but I like to just focus on the gospels and what Jesus did. As though Jesus didn't uh, inspire the rest of the New Testament or the Old Testament. Jesus, yes, he absolutely was alive on the earth during the gospels, but remember, he's the word made flesh. That same word inspire, inspired the apostles and the rest of the New Testament writers to write that scripture. Yeah. It's just as much God as the rest of the gospels or the Old Testament. And so if we're going to do what she's saying, which is to uh, strive to be like Christ, which I totally agree with 100%, then we've got to know he, you, there's not multiple gospels, there's a gospel. People talk about the prosperity gospel. There's no such thing as the prosperity gospel. There's just the gospel. There's just what the Bible teaches and what the Bible doesn't teach. Right. And the problem is that's where false doctrine comes in because people begin to teach things that the Bible does not teach doctrinally. That's why Paul encouraged his son in the gospel, Timothy, that he should uh, study to show himself approved so that he can be a workman who is not ashamed when he presents himself to God, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a right way to divide scripture and there's a wrong way to divide scripture. It's important to interpret scripture with scripture. Interpret scripture with scripture. It's like all these people that have been rebuking Christians for bucking the government edict <clears throat> to not hold church and using Romans 13, Paul say, be, being submissive to the governing authorities. They can't have the ability to interpret scripture with scripture. That's why a little bit tongue in cheek, I posted on Twitter and Instagram that does anybody else wish the apostle Paul was alive in the Old Testament so that he could rebuke Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Romans 13? Because were they submissive to their governing authorities? Did they break the law or did they keep the law? Daniel, it was illegal for him to pray in public to anyone but the king. And what did he do? Did he hide it or did he go back to where he'd always gone, throw up in the windows and pray to the Lord God? And it was illegal to do it, but he did it anyway. It was illegal to not bow to the statue that the king had set up, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they actually bucked the governmental system and disobeyed it so that they could obey God. And the same thing's happening today is that people are obeying Hebrews 10.25 to not forsake the assembling of themselves together and are getting uh, literally blasted verbally by other believers that, that can't even understand how to properly divide scripture. And so that's the issue that we're having. So when I see comments like that, that's why I mention them because you can't just pick and choose the parts of the Bible that you wanna believe. You have to believe it all and you have to rightly divide it and let scripture interpret scripture. And that's a matter, it's like I was saying earlier about Christians who say, well, see, the Bible promises that we'll have trials and tribulations. And then they'll use that 
to say, well, that means sicknesses and diseases. It's not what it means. And they don't let scripture interpret scripture. Dangerous. Because then you come up with doctrines that are not in the Bible, that are man-made, that are destructive to the believer. Yeah. And that's why you have people that are failing in life uh, as Christians, is because they believed a lie instead of believing the truth. And so, you know, there, there are some things. It's true, Ruth. The Bible's not a salad bar. So it's very important. And so we want to pray for you. We, we're standing with you. We're always for you. We're praying with you. Because it's time for faith to rise in the body of Christ like never before. That's why we take the time to get on and to build you guys up in faith. Because it's time like never before to have our faith go to another level. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head all over wherever you're watching. If you're in the room with others watching in like a house party, join hands together. And join your faith with Carolyn and with me as we pray. We're believing God that in this year of 2020, we're still declaring it, violent increase, expedited favor. And what we're believing is that your faith, as it's built to the next level, you'll begin to confess these things. Watch your words go to work. Watch your words go to work. Change the inner man. Change uh, the mind. <clears throat> it's, imp it's important. It's yeah. important. You know, you you have to remember that this isn't going to be the first time that this happens in the world like this. Of course not. So this is an ample time that if you're not reaching, you know, high levels of faith that you start now. Yep. Receive these teachings. Receive this gift of faith. Because as the world continues to be in crisis, you know, this will lift and things will go back to normal and everyone's going to look back and it's going to be forgotten because that's what's going to happen. Everyone's going to get back to normal life, yep. back in church, back in work, back, you know, whatever summer vacations, everyone's itching to get out and it will be forgotten. Everyone's making a big deal now, but it will be forgotten of how big of a deal it was yep. and people's guards will go down. Mm -hmm. But keep this faith at an all time high while you have this time, utilize it like never before right. to get into the word of God, to pray, because then when the next time something like this hits, you are more ready than ever. Right. I agree with Morgan Troublefield on YouTube, who's in the medical field, they claim. You know, laughing at people walking around with masks and gloves on, thinking they're preventing anything. You're, she's, uh, I think it's a she, or maybe it's a he. You're literally wearing the same gloves into every store and touching everything. That's in what the we same always home. say. Morgan. I say the same thing. <laughs> I, that's why I don't even bother. I have just, I'm just believing God. I, I'm not. I think it's ridiculous. Hold on, let me put my gloves on to touch everything First in the grocery all, store. Then I'm going to pick up my cell phone with my gloves on. But, but here's the other thing. Germs, Rub it on my face, the cell phone. Hello. Germs and bacteria are microscopic. You think they can't get into the, under the hole of a mask or down through the... It's There's like, actually germs right now you know, floating in front of your face. It just, it just cracks right now, me up. Pe look around. People make me laugh. Oh, you can't look around there. But, yes, you know. the particles are all around you. We're going to pray because I agree. People have freaked out and they're doing stuff that's not even... I mean, if you just thought about it logically, you you know you 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 wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to really make a case for that. As I said, bacteria and virus is microscopic. You know, it might help the mask might help you if you sne sneeze, not to project the germs, but like seriously, if you think that's going to save you, you don't understand bacteria and virus. So you know, whatever people may think, I'm not putting my faith in a mask. I'm not putting my faith in gloves. I'm putting my faith in God. And I'm believing. I don't agree. I, I figured Morgan was a sheep. I don't. I don't agree with whoever that was. I don't know if it, 
I, I just saw quickly the video. <clears throat> um, you know, the man in New York saying, you know, it, God didn't do this. I don't know if it was de Blasio or if it was the governor Cuomo. God didn't do this. It was Cuomo, I believe. Man didn't do that. You know, it's like, okay, take God, do whatever you want. Take God's glory. Act like God's not a help. You know, people are so backward. People are so, as Paul said, literally suppressing the knowledge of the truth in rejection of what God's doing. So let people think it's all themselves, that the arm of flesh is all that matters. The governor of that state's full of the I, devil. I'm anyway. actually trusting in God. <laughs> I've put my faith in him. And uh, I, I reject the foolishness of the one who said in their heart, there is no God. I reject the foolishness of those people. And I put my trust in God. And I know you do too. We're going to pray. Father, I pray for every person that's watching the broadcast. I pray for those that are listening. Let their faith go to another level as they confess the word as they listen to the word, as they study the word. And Father, as our faith increases, I pray that you would give us a boldness to continue to speak your mighty word yes. and see our words come to pass supernaturally by the power of God. Lord, we give you praise because the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead dwells in us, quickens our mortal body physically strengthens us by that life-giving spirit. Yes. We thank you, Lord, and we give you glory that the best days are ahead. We're not moving into destruction. We're moving into healing and deliverance, and the doors are opening up. Lord, let the nations open up. Let the government open up. I yes. pray in Jesus' name. Make a quick way. Make a quick way in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you and give you glory and praise for what you're doing now in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Morgan. We love you. Uh, thanks for everybody that's hanging with us. Let us encourage you right now, those that are watching. Many have already done it. We're encouraging you to sow a seed of faith today. We're believing. What are we believing for? Increase to hit our lives like never before. Well, you know what that means. It means that our seeds have to be released like never before. That's what we're standing on. Faith in God's word, what do we teach today? It takes actions. Yeah. Faith is not just, I say it. It's I believe it so much that I take action. Right. Thank you, Ken and Allison, for sowing a seed. We're believing God that this will be the greatest year you've ever seen in the history of your Christian life, ever, including financially. Believing this will be a year that uh, debts will be canceled, student loans paid off, houses, cars paid off. We're believing with you. We're believing with you. And this is going to be your year of increase and favor. You'll see it. How do you see it? by sowing that seed. And for everybody that's sowing this month, you know, of course, that we're sending you this powerful book on the end times, The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock, complete overview of Bible prophecy, about 500 and plus pages that will answer all those questions that you have. This is, you're going to love this book. It's phenomenal. And so we're going to send that to you. Carrie said, I tried yesterday and where it says give it would not let me. Um, we'll look at that today. But what were um, you on? She was, was on the, the website. website? Mm-hmm. And the, the submit button wasn't there, I think. Is that what you is that what you said, Carrie? We'll look at that today. But there's always, you got PayPal. There's hashtag donate, Cash App, Venmo. But um, if it's not, if you don't see it on your phone, Carrie, try it on your laptop or on your uh, tablet or desktop. Try another device. But thank you to everybody that's sewing. And then, of course, I'm signing a bunch of Bibles that are going out today. Everybody that's partnering with us at $1,000 or more, we have these, and this is such a beautiful study tool, this Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, one of the best study tools that you can have. It's uh, it's so filled 
with uh, notes and background maps, all kinds of uh, statistics, uh, profiles on Bible characters. It's phenomenal. And so we're, we're making this out to your family and sending it to everybody along with the book that's sewing $1,000 or more this month. We love you and we appreciate you very much. And uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. What you doing tomorrow? Want to be a guest on the broadcast? <laughs> How many would like to see Carolyn back on the broadcast tomorrow? She's such a phenomenal host and beautiful. She makes me look good. Look at that. Just sitting next to her on the broadcast. I look even better just looking. Just sitting next to a, such a hottie. I don't know what's wrong with it then. We'll look at it today. Yeah. Next to over... Uh, Sugar Bear 917. Sugar Bear. Yep. Sugar Bear 917 at AOL.com. <laughs> if you guys want to see old Carolyn tomorrow. Oh, thank you, Donna. Thanks, we appreciate Donna. You. We love you. Yeah, me too. I'd like to see Carolyn back. I love when she's on the broadcast. She's the best. You're the best. What do you guys want to talk, talk about? about Send us a message. Send us a text. Send us a text. Let us know what you'd like to hear. What is something y'all want to talk about? We've got nonstop content. I've got We do, but it's nice, you know, people have no, I like specific to know. things that they, I've you know. I like to know, too, because people have questions. Too hot for you, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love Christy. Too hot. Too hot for you. Love you, Allison. That was her, uh, that was her, uh, AOL name, remember? Too hot for you, 2000. No, she's saying I'm too hot for you. I know. See? That's she was saying from the old thing. We do love Carolyn. She's the best. We've got a treat for you guys today. Kiera Kiki Sheard. Blessing us with some gospel singing. Singing Donnie McClurkin's gospel medley. Ooh, I love I love it. Gospel. Me too. And she crushes it. Kiki has one of the best voices in gospel music, in my opinion. Kiara Sheard, killing it. We love you guys. Thanks for hanging with us. We will be back again in the morning, 10.30 a.m. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.